Good morning. My name is Ryan Shaw. I'm a naturopathic physician and founder of Cascade Integrative Medicine in Issaquah, Washington. I've been in practice now for many years. I graduated from Bastyr University in 2004, and then I moved to Chicago so my husband could start his job in big pharma. After staying home to raise our kids for about five years, we finally moved back to Seattle. We had had enough of the cold Chicago winters, and we both decided we were ready to move back. My family is here, and we decided that whoever landed a job first would pack up the kids in the suitcases and head on over to Seattle, and I just happened to land the job first. I got a job at Longevity Medical Clinic, uh, specializing in anti-aging medicine, hormone replacement therapy, etc. My husband continued his work in pharmaceutical research in Seattle, And after about two years at Longevity, um, doing hormone replacement therapy specifically, um, I just, you know, I really missed functional medicine. I really missed uh, family practice and just decided I was going to open my own practice. So that's when I started Cascade Integrative Medicine, um, or we call it CIM here in Issaquah. My team here at Cascade is incredible. I'm always really reminded of the luck we've had in securing really brilliant and compassionate providers, as well as, you know, our ancillary staff, both front and back, our preceptors and our residents. And I feel really, really lucky to serve our patient base. And I decided to start this podcast, uh, which I'm calling Grand Rounds with Cascade, after being holed up like so many of us as we ride out this COVID pandemic. Finally, after so many years of practice, I feel like I finally have something to say. And due to unfortunate circumstances, I guess I have more time to say it. I'm not too sure if anyone wants to listen to what I have to say, but this is a good opportunity for me to continue to work on the book I'm writing and thought that some of what I talk about in my book could be adapted to a podcast. So every week as I um, am delivering my podcast, I'll probably throw in some pieces of the book that I've been working on for the past 15 years. I really want to help people understand what makes our approach to medicine so beautiful and so unique and effective. And really, that was the goal of this podcast, um, was to explain to people what we do and explain to people the depth of, uh, of what we do. And I'm always reminded, you know, even now, after so many years of practice and so many thousands of patients that I've seen, uh, how many people really have no idea what naturopaths do, and even more so what integrative medicine is. So through this weekly podcast, I really hope to share some relevant information and ideas through patient stories, uh, case studies. We'll dive into philosophy, um, both medicine and life in general. We'll interview staff and patients and other providers in our area so that people can really understand what we do in a much deeper way. So let's start, start by diving into the philosophy of naturopathic medicine a little more. The practice of naturopathic medicine is grounded in a really unique philosophy that can be understood best if we first discuss the concepts, two concepts actually, vitalism and holism. So vitalism is a central tenet in the philosophy of naturopathic medicine. And this is just the idea that we have central tenets that guide our philosophy is is another thing that really makes us very different, I think, than traditional or conventional medicine. And I'm not dogging conventional medicine. I mean, we need it and we use it every day, um, both in our own individual practices, but also in referring out. 
but naturopathic medicine in general is so anchored, is so grounded in a philosophy of understanding that the body truly knows how to heal if we give it what it needs. And vitalism and holism really kind of explain um, that a little bit more. So vitalism being the central tenet uh, is also called the vital force, and it describes the intelligence that you know animates each and every person. It refers to forces beyond the physical self that govern life, health, and healing. Um, you know, you can see. You, I think people intuit the vitalism in somebody. You know, you can see two people, uh, one person who maybe has been exposed to just as many viruses and bacteria and life events, and yet they, they just resonate at this really high level. They just seem healthy all the time and happy all the time and vibrant all the time. You walk into a room and you're just kind of hit with this wall of energy. And then there can be another person who's been exposed to all the same things and they just can barely get out of bed. You know, that vitalism is what I'm talking about. It really suggests that there's sort of a self-organizing principle within all life. And we can support vitalism by assisting nature in the process of health and healing. And that's kind of what we do differently, I think, is that we recognize first that this vitalism is inherent in each and every person. And second, we understand that the best medicine is supporting someone's internal vitalism so that they can use that vitalistic energy to heal themselves. And we support it by using food, exercise, hydrotherapy, herbal medicine, and really promoting the elimination of internal waste. We've got to help people take out their metabolic garbage, so to speak. Naturopathic physicians are trained in the same coursework that MDs are trained in. You know, we still go through, well, for myself, six years of medical school, um, and we learn all of the same sciences. We have our gross anatomy labs. We have clinical medicine, uh, pharmacology, so on and so forth. But we also have additional training in ways to assess and work with a person's vitality versus suppressing it or overriding it. And there is a time to suppress or override. There's a time and a place for absolutely everything in medicine. But in general, I think that's not the first place we go when we see somebody. And that's not to say that sometimes we need to suppress symptoms. I mean, sometimes people come to us and they are so symptomatic that it keeps them from being able to take steps forward to improve their own vitality. Um, so there's certainly a time and a place. But generally, the philosophy in naturopathic medicine is to support this, this natural process. The naturopathic concept of vitalism has often been contrasted with that of symptom management, more of a mechanistic approach, which is kind of the way we see, I think, in general, or intuit conventional medicine, which has been the basis of, of that medicine. The vitalistic approach recognizes that there's a logic to symptoms and disease and that healing and treatment regimens are best when they really support that natural healing ability. I like the idea of the body, body's wisdom being logical and, um, and reasoned. Let's take the example of cutting yourself. You know, So if you cut yourself and you keep it clean and you eat enough protein and get enough nutrients and don't have any underlying issues with your immune system or blood sugar, metabolism, etc., and put your band-aids on, the cut's going to heal well and it's gonna heal quickly. But if you don't take care of it, you're dealing with other health issues that impair the body's ability to heal or dampen its vital force, it will get infected and will not heal in a timely manner and maybe even lead to other health issues. 
So the vital force is the body's natural inclination to heal on its own. And naturopathic medicine finds the roadblocks to healing and removes them so that your body can do what's best. Holism is an equally important tenet, and it means all, entire, or whole. It's based on the realization that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And holism is based on the understanding that all entities and systems in the universe exist as a unified whole. And the parts of the whole are dynamically interdependent and interrelated. Using the cut example, it may be cut on your finger, but it is affected by your blood sugar and your immune system, your circulatory system. We all know about how diabetics often have a really hard time healing from foot injuries. That's a good example. All of those systems need to be working properly to heal that cut, and everything is really connected. The holistic approach of naturopathic medicine recognizes that the spiritual, psychological, functional, and structural aspects are interdependent. So, you know, it's not just a person with a body, that we have all of these other elements that, that make up our body, spiritual, psychological, functional, structural. And when we treat an individual, we have to address all of their intra and interpersonal dynamics. Um, as well as their interactions with individuals in their environment, in addition to external and social factors. You know, if you have an injury, but you're living in a filthy home and you don't have the ability to eat properly or the money to keep sanitary and clean or the money to buy Band-Aids, or if you have a family who's not supportive and won't let, let you rest and take care of yourself because their needs must always come first, or if you work in a job that won't let you take time off, you know, then your body's not going to be able to heal as it should. And as a physician, all, our job also needs to be to understand and pinpoint all of those other areas in your life um, that may not be optimal, setting the stage for optimal healing. Naturopaths are all really unique, you know, and unlike conventional doctors who in general are a bit more homogenized, naturopaths tend to be much more variable in the way they approach their practice. And I think this probably doesn't serve us in some ways because a lot of my patients have been to five or six different naturopaths and they're just stunned at how different they all are and the lack of consistency I think is confusing to a lot of patients. Um, you'll see NDs who specialize in homeopathic medicine, uh, who focus on herbal medicine, contrast hydrotherapy, and they'll look at their patient cases through that really narrow lens. And that's totally okay. You know, these, these people will attract patients who really ascribe to that same focus, and we need those providers out there. However, it's not really what I call integrative medicine. Um, I really feel like for medicine to be truly integrative, there has to be a blending of the two approaches. We need the mechanistic approach, and we need the vitalistic approach. We need holism, and we also need palliation of symptoms. We need to be able to do symptom management. We have to triage the most important health issues and get those under control as quickly and safely as possible while making the long-term goal to understand the why and the how. Finding and treating the cause with the ultimate goal of making patients feel empowered and educated and optimally getting them off as many medications and supplements as possible. Integrative medicine does not mean putting someone on 30 different supplements. I still get patients who come in all the time who bring in a trash bag full of supplements that they're on. And it really is sad to me because I think energetically or symbolically rather, it also tells the patients that they don't have any power, that the supplements hold all the power. And I feel like supplements are incredibly important. I mean, you know, most of my patients come into me and their bucket is empty. They've got the worst nutrient deficiencies I've seen. They've got hormone imbalances. 
you know, it's just a hot mess and we've got to, you know, kind of fill in all of the deficiencies and tighten up all those imbalances. But, you know, the supplements we give patients, especially in the beginning, should always be temporary. We should be thinking about them sort of like we do medication. Um, You know, so we have to triage the most important health issues, you know, and we have to get those under control as quickly and safely as possible and make the long-term goal to understand the why and the how. So we need that functional medicine uh, so that we can dive into cause. Um, And that way, once we find the cause and we can treat the cause, we can release patients from all of these complicated treatment plans. NDs are uniquely trained to leverage this approach. You know, we've all had the We all have the tools in our toolbox. We have this unique ability to have the prescriptive authority of medications and imaging abilities, being able to order all types of imaging. But we also have this understanding of herbal medicine, of counseling, of micronutrient therapy, of nutrition. So integrative medicine as naturopaths specifically is really our full potential. One of the most important interview questions I ask all of my residents, and actually the most important question for me to hear the answer to, is what is integrative medicine to you? And I find that people have many, many, many different opinions of this definition. The most widely used definition I probably hear is that integrative medicine is when a provider of a certain specialty consults with providers of other specialties to help solve the mystery of someone's health issues so they can co-manage their treatment plans. And I really agree that this is a huge part of integration. Integration with other healthcare providers is exquisitely important, and that's one thing that I love about our um, partnership with Thrive. Cascade and Thrive come together twice a week, and we have grand rounds with our patients, and we talk about all of our patients, and we all come together under one roof, and we really learn a lot about... um, how to best optimize our patient care plans just by kind of picking everybody's brains. And that's what it's about. We all have strengths um, that are different from each other. And, you know, we really need to be able to leverage other people's, other providers' strengths. Um, So that's really important. But to me, it goes a lot deeper than that. You know, integrative medicine should also apply to every visit with every patient. It should be unique and individualized each and every time. I really love the example of hypertension here. You can have three different people, three different patients with hypertension. Let's just say they're all the same age, they're all the same gender. You know, three men with hypertension, they're age, you know, 48 to 50. And all of their numbers are about the same. And you can give all three of them an ACE inhibitor, which is what they recommend as far as first line. We can give them all an ACE inhibitor, but you know, and and it can take care of their blood pressure problems. But if we use some functional medicine tools and we dive deeper into why they have hypertension, all three of those people could have hypertension for different reasons. You know, the first guy could have it because he has got the early stages of kidney failure. Second guy could have it because he's got a horrible food sensitivity issue. Third guy could have it because he's on testosterone replacement and nobody's been watching, watching his red blood cells, and now he's got polycythemia. And you can give them all the ACE inhibitor, takes care of the problem, but if you take the extra time to dive into the health of each and every person and find and correct the deeper problem, then they don't need to be on blood pressure medication at all, possibly. 
So in every visit, what does that specific patient need? You know, from medications and herbals to nutrition, outside referral for additional testing, what's the right approach to meet that person's need in the moment? It does get complicated when a patient has severe health issues that are not responsibly addressed in the short term, at least, with natural remedies. There can be a patient who comes in, let's use the hypertension example again, you know, 160 over 110. Well, that patient does not need herbal medicine. That patient needs a medication immediately and probably should not leave the office until we get their blood pressure down. Um, You know, and that patient may argue with me a little bit, but my first job with all of my patients is to keep them safe. But still, the goal isn't to have them on blood pressure medication forever. It's to say, look, we need you to be safe so that you can go home and drive home without having a problem. Let's get you on this medication until we can find the cause. And then once we find the cause, we'll reevaluate and we'll see if we can get you off of stuff. So there definitely has to be a back and forth with many patients, um, especially those who come in and just want an herbal approach to things, which is totally fine. I mean, you can come in and want a total herbal approach. You can come in and only want your pharmaceuticals refilled. Either one of those things is fine. It's not about me. I tell my residents and my preceptors all the time. It's not about us. It's not about our treatment plan. It's about our patients, and it's about finding the right thing for them. But integrative medicine is also seeing that patient as an integrative being, mind, body, and spirit. It requires that we're able to address a patient without any dogma or ego and understand that our role as their provider is to help guide them and help them find the right road for their healing and support them on that road. We can only meet a patient in this space and help them find the right plan when we're listening. And the problem, I think, with most traditional medicine practices is that there isn't time for listening. And actually, when I talk to my MD colleagues and friends, this really bothers most of them, honestly. You know, they're trapped in this conventional medicine paradigm of which there's not an obvious way out. We've all heard the unfortunate stories and have even probably most of us witnessed this firsthand after waiting for 45 minutes in the waiting room Your doctor comes in, they spend a minute or two getting a quick history. Many of them don't even introduce themselves. And then, you know, they give you a plan or a medication. They hand it over to you as you walk out the door. The patient's not asked, what do you think of this plan? Does it make sense to you? And many of my patients have told me that the power feels totally taken away. They feel invalidated. They feel dismissed. They feel totally unheard. That is not what we're shooting for. If we truly believe that optimal health is the balance of mind, body, and spirit, then we must allow for an unfolding of that relationship between doctor and patient and hold space for trust and honesty. And the potential for that unfolding is really in the first few moments of the visit when the practitioner puts down their computer, puts down their pen and paper, and says, you know, I want to get to know you outside of your health concerns before we get started. Tell me about yourself and your life. When you can approach a patient, or anyone for that matter, not just a patient, but just people in your life that you care about with honesty and intention, and at the same time reflect eye contact and open body language, a person can really relax and soften and can begin to unpack their backpack of emotions. In the naturopathic medicine model, we're so blessed to have this understanding built into our philosophy, and we have much longer appointment times so that we can really allow this to happen. We all carry this backpack of emotions around us, around with us all day. And really a perfect example of this, honestly, is my kids. Oh boy, being teenagers, it's really not much different. It's probably even more intense now. But, you know, I especially remember when they were little, um, you know, we'd have these great mornings and 
have breakfast and everybody would be in a great mood and I'd drive them to school and everybody would be, be happy, ready to attack their day, you know. And then I'd pick them up from school and they were just done, just defeated and tired and exhausted and hungry. And they'd been owned all day by everybody and they had to keep it together so they didn't get in trouble. They had all their emotions zipped up tight in that backpack is kind of how I imagined it. But, you know, as soon as they saw me, knowing that I'm their mother and I love them unconditionally, they just felt comfortable to dump it all out. And that's what would happen. I'd pick them up from school and temper tantrums and arguing and sometimes crying. And I just had to sit there and hold space for it. Sometimes it was really difficult to do. And now as teenagers, I see it, you know, I see it sometimes too. I see them just come home from school and feel just totally defeated and just letting it all out in front of me. And I just have to watch it come out and I have just to be there in the moment. But we as adults do that too. I mean, you're fooling yourself if you say that you're not. You know, we've got to keep it together all day. We can't act like a four-year-old and have a temper tantrum in the middle of the street. Um, you know, so so we we really need people who are going to be able to look at all those dark corners and be able to um, embrace us anyway. And we have to keep all of this, you know, zipped up tight. We don't want people to see our vulnerability there's so much about vulnerability to talk about. I don't know if any of you have heard Brene Brown, but I love her so much. And I'm going to be talking about vulnerability as well um, later on. But that emotional backpack gets heavier and heavier and heavier until it feels like it's going to take us down. So healing has to start by giving the patient permission to unload all of that, to throw it all out on the floor for you to see without any judgment and just holding space for them as they sift through it all. This goes for provider and patient, but it also is true about any human relationship. The goal should not be to interpret it for them or compare your own experience or project your own experience, but rather just to validate their experience through reflective listening, eye contact, compassion, patience, and love. And many of you will say love, you know, doctor, you know, love, you know, that's not your job to love your patients. It is our only job. I would argue that it is our only job to love our patients. Love is the most powerful, the most healing, the most comforting thing that we can give each other. And as doctors, it's one of the most empowering thing that we can give our patients. So think about it. You have all the health problems in the world, but if you're carrying this heavy weight on your back and you don't feel like even your doctor wants to see what's in there, you know, that really festers inside, it never releases. And I can't tell you how many of my patients has, have switched over to me or our clinic because their doctor, and I've heard MDs and NDs doing this together, have told them that they weren't making enough progress or they weren't following their treatment plan, so they couldn't be seen as a patient anymore. If you feel like you're being judged by your doctor, you need to find another doctor. It's as simple as that. So much of our physical health conditions originate from our psychological body. And I see this time and time again. A patient I had years ago came to see me for weight loss. I think it was weight loss, low energy, depression, anxiety were kind of her main things on her, on her paperwork. And after a few minutes into her visit, you know, she described her husband this way. She said, his mantra is, I'm always right. You have no power. It is always my way. She told me he literally said these words to her. She was coming to me for stress and weight management and fatigue and depression and anxiety, hadn't been able to get a handle on any of it. She had been to many doctors, 
had tried many, many weight loss plans, but she just had never made any progress. I knew I needed to start in a different place um, than she had been uh, approached before, so I just started the visit like I normally do by getting to know her and asking her questions about who she surrounded herself with, uh, getting the timeline of her life, um, when things started to change, when she started to notice her weight change, and it all started really when she married her husband. It's kind of what I ended up finding out after talking to her for a while. And she knew that he was emotionally abusive at the time that she married him, but she thought, well, I can change him. And I don't know why us women always think we can change men, change anyone for that matter. But anyway, years later, here she is suppressed and invalidated and criticized constantly. And this has caused emotional eating, which has caused the weight gain. The fatigue caused by the depression caused her to go for things that were sweet and carb heavy. And she no doubt is treating her low serotonin and dopamine that way. The things she craved were making her feel better emotionally, and like many of us, she was medicating with food. So in the space of the first few minutes, I let things come out really slowly. I asked her about herself and her life, and that was really the only thing I asked her that led to this information coming out. Now, she was telling me about when the stress started, I heard these undertones of a plea to tell me more about him. It was like she was testing the waters a little bit. She wasn't too sure I wanted to hear it. But I also really knew and I could really feel that she wanted to talk about it. My stress started when I got married, she said. It's hard to be married to someone and have a business with someone. I have no power. I'm totally fatigued and overweight because of it. I have no power. That was the nugget that came out of what she was sharing with me. That was the thing that hit me the hardest. That was the key that was going to unlock more of her story. What do you mean you have no power? Can you tell me more about that? There was a pause, and for a minute she looked at me, kind of waiting for me to talk over her, I think. Um, I was silent and open. I pushed my chair back forward a little bit more and very subtly leaned sort of in, trying to mimic sort of that body language of coming close to her, but she leaned back a little bit as I did this. I could tell she was still protecting herself. So I shifted my position, and right when I sort of did that, that was the moment she took a deep breath and she slowly said, my husband is really abusive and mean. At this point, we probably had about 30 minutes left in the visit. We hadn't really gone through any of her paperwork yet. This was just so much more important than that though, because it was really very likely at the core of all of her health issues. And as she told me that her husband was abusive, I think she expected me to react strongly or give her her advice or talk her into a divorce. And honestly, even though I was kind of placid on the outside. My heart was breaking on the inside when she was telling me this. And really, that's why the protective wall went up, you know, but I didn't. I just asked her to tell me more about him and their relationship, and I listened and validated her feelings. And, you know, finally, tears just started to fall, and she said, I don't know why I'm crying. I've never cried about this in front of anyone. It was in that moment that I realized a few things about her health. First of all, part, not all, but part of her issues with weight, most likely, was that it was acting as a physical representation of a protective barrier for her. And when she's sad or stressed out, she eats, and she eats her feelings because she can't talk about them. And her husband criticizes her weight, doesn't want to be intimate with her because of her weight. But not being intimate with her is good because it allows her to keep a safer distance from him physically. And second was that I really honestly feel like she came into my office just to be heard. We all just want to be heard. We just want to be listened to. And as she was leaving the visit, she said, it's funny that I feel so much lighter after talking to you today. 
My energy is so much better. We didn't even do anything yet. Her backpack was a little lighter. Of course, we did a blood draw. We looked for hormone imbalances, nutrient deficiencies. Um, I added in some functional medicine testing. I looked at her food sensitivities. We did salivary cortisol testing. I had her go home with some of those kits and mail them back to me when she was done. We have to look at cases holistically and realize that there's not just an emotional component. I mean, that was a huge underlying part of this, but it certainly wasn't the only thing that was going on. Most often a physical component as well is secondary, and we have to cast the widest net in the first visit um, in order to get as much information as we can so that we're not throwing just darts at a board. That's really what I love about our medicine. It's so empowering to understand why your body is behaving the way it is. You know, it's amazing to learn how to understand the language of your symptoms. Symptoms are a foreign language. You know, we have to learn the language like any other. But once you understand what your body is telling you, you then have a choice to act instead of feeling powerless. So thank you so much for listening today. Stay tuned for next week. We're going to explore some more about integrative medicine. We're going to have some more case studies um, and probably talk about hormone balancing during perimenopause and menopause uh, and or pause. Um, and be well, stay happy and thankful for every new day you're blessed to be a part of. Thank you so much.